Welcome to Relaunch, the real estate podcast focused on helping you find your success in real estate. My name is Lauren Cooper. I am an active real estate sales representative just north of Toronto, Canada. The whole purpose of this podcast is to bring you actionable content by interviewing the best of the best in this business, helping to take you from zero to hero in your real estate career. Welcome back to another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. That is the real estate podcast. So, Jeff, Jeff Lyons, we welcome Jeff today. What is going on, Jeff? How are you? How are you doing, Lauren? I'm doing fantastic. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right, Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where is your marketplace? And uh, kind of a quick snapshot of where you are in your business today. Okay, um, uh, my marketplace is the Northwest Indiana uh, market. Uh, we're about an hour outside of Chicago. Um, I cover, there's six counties total that we cover. We mostly focus on the top three counties, um, Lake, Porter County, where we're located, and then LaPorte County. I've uh, been in the business for about five years, um, married, I have three beautiful children, and uh, yeah, real estate's my full-time gig. It's been my full-time gig since August of 2016. Kids, boys, girls. Uh, we have Alex, who is turning seven in two weeks. Annie, who is turning four in February. And Nora, who turns one two days before Christmas. Our lives are parallel, my friend. I've got yeah. well, I've got three girls, but uh, okay. mine are age seven, five, and two. So very close. Okay. Very busy. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah, very, very busy. Full-time real estate and uh, full-time family. It's kind of a rub. How do you manage that? Uh, I have a lot of help from my beautiful wife, Shannon. She is uh, a godsend. She keeps me very grounded and uh, lets me know when I'm getting a little bit out of whack, which happens from time to time. So, <laughs> it happens to us just all. For, yeah, it's definitely a balancing act. It's, uh, I mean, when I went full-time in 2016, I, didn't, I went full-time middle of August, and I didn't take a day off until Thanksgiving, and my wife was like, are you going to take a day off? And I was like, you know, I probably should. And it's been a balancing act. I now am very intentional about my time off. Um, I try and take, I guarantee at least one weekend day off a, a week. And then I try and work like kind of a half day on Sunday. Just with Alex, uh, my oldest son being in school, that time is just so important. I mean, he's already seven. But you know how quick that time goes. Oh, so. yeah, definitely, definitely. So why don't you walk us back um, even before you were in real estate, just give us a little glimpse into your background, what you were doing leading up to real estate and what got you into it. Okay. Um, I'm originally, uh, and my wife as well, we're originally from the Metro Detroit area and in, we got together in 2007 and I started working in a casino out there, um, in Detroit and I started working part-time four days a week and then it was three days a week and then it was two days a week. And I was like, I'm going to get fired soon. <laughs> so, uh, we just happened to, uh, for her birthday, we took a trip uh, to Chicago, and on the way to Chicago, there were all these signs about a new casino opening. So we get back home, I hop on the internet, and I reach out to the manager of that casino and say, listen, I have this experience, I would love to be in the poker room, um, give me a job. A month later, we moved out there, and I took a big risk leaving a somewhat decent job in Detroit for a part-time job in uh, Hammond, Indiana, which is about 45 minutes northwest of where I'm at in Valparaiso. Uh, I worked there for eight years from 2008 to 2016. Um, and it was, so I was a poker dealer. It was a great job for real estate. My skin is thicker than anyone's skin could ever be. <laughs> I was telling a, a friend the other day, I was like, there's nothing you can tell me that's going to move the needle. Like nothing you can say is going to affect me one way or the other. Cause I've been called everything more times than you could ever stand to call me. So don't try and hurt my feelings with words cause it's just not gonna happen. Um, so that's a good thing. Having a thick skin in this business is important but I'm very personally involved in my deals. So you can have a thick skin and still care about people. And I think that's a balance that a lot of people need to learn in this business. Yeah, well said. So, um, I dealt poker for around seven years. Great job. The problem was I was working nights. 
and we had two small kids and it's just a it's a young man's game it's just a tough life to live um i got my license in 2013 and i was doing both um so i would work from 9 a.m to 7 p.m i'm sorry 9 p.m to 7 a.m i'd come home i'd get home around 8 i'd sleep until around noon i'd get up i'd go show homes all day come home eat something shower go back to work and as you can imagine, you can only do that for so long until something's going to give. I was yeah. consuming a ton of caffeine, and it's just a very unhealthy uh, way. But, I mean, sometimes you have to do that. If you want to get to where you're going, you have to make sacrifices. Um, and I did that for a while, and in August, I finally said, listen, like, I got to at least give this a shot. Um, and I quit and never looked back. Um, so been very blessed to be um, fortunate to have a lot of business um, and been able to, you know, start a brokerage um, last year. And it's been amazing. It, the real estate business is something I never thought I'd be into. And I, I love it. I think it's the best. One of my mentors says it's the best small business opportunity in the world. And I have to agree. Yeah, definitely. I agree as well. So when you first started, you were doing it part-time while you were working nights and on zero sleep. How yeah. did you go about getting any business? Well, because I worked at the casino, I had a pretty big sphere. Like, uh, I don't, we're obviously not from here, so I don't have any family here. We don't have any connections here other than I worked at the casino. So I helped a lot of my uh, coworkers buy and sell houses. Um, and that's been very... Uh, I mean, almost essential to my growth. My first year, I did eight or nine deals, and I think eight of them were from casino employees. Um, actually, I have a really funny story. So I, there was a lender that I used to use, and he helped me get uh, all my casino employees um, pre-approved. And he tells me this story. He goes, one day, my his boss pulled him in the office and goes, Tom, I got to talk to you. And he's like, what is this about? He goes, do you have a gambling problem? <laughs> And Tom is like, what are you talking about? He said, all these pre-approvals are coming from the casino. So you obviously are gambling and trying to get business to earn more money. And he's like, no, one of my referral partners works at a casino and he just sends all the business to me. I always thought that was hilarious. Like, <laughs> the guy just goes to the, the worst possible scenario. Yeah, exactly. Either that or money laundering, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. So that's how you started in the business. You were basically working your sphere, your coworkers, they got you uh, out looking for homes for them. So you, you were basically um, helping people buy. You really didn't have any listings that first year. No. Okay. And uh, what was the transition into the second year for you? Because that was still part-time. You went full-time in your third year, right? Yeah. So I, the problem with real estate is it's really easy to treat it like a hobby. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of agents is they don't treat it like a business. And the best part about real estate is that you can treat it like a business, but you don't have a ton of overhead. Most of you real estate agents don't have to pay for an office. You don't have to, you know, pay for employees. So you have a business without all of the ridiculous overhead that like, if you're going to start a pizza shop, like you have employees, you have ovens, you got to, you know, either buy or rent a building. Um, so I kind of treat it as a hobby. Like I was like, yeah, that would be great if I could quit, but I'll never get to to that point. Like it was just limiting beliefs kept me down. And I had a bad habit of if something was going wrong in my personal life, I would let it kind of, you know, crush my business. I would like good example. We had our, my second year in the business, we found out we had mold in our house and honestly, it should have been a phone call. Hey, come remediate this mold. I have other crap to do. Right. And I let it affect my business for about three months. I was like, oh, we had to move into a hotel for a week and blah, blah, blah. Like all this. I, looking back now, I was like, wow, I wasted so much time. Um, but I didn't take the business seriously. I didn't treat it like a business. It was a glorified hobby that occasionally, you know, brought me a big commission check occasionally. Um, so I didn't take it seriously enough. Um, it wasn't until my third year, the year I quit the casino, that I really like focused on it and kind of like was like, okay, so once we get these people under contract, we have to work on what's what's next. Who is the next client we're going to help? So how did you make that transition uh, mentally and in, in actual reality? 
what was it that uh, flipped the switch for you and how did you go about actually doing it? Well, if you look at like, I, so I track all my numbers for every year. And if you look at 2016, it was a slow start. I was basically repeating the same things, like just kind of not taking it seriously. And the market here was pretty good for sellers, but it's still pretty good for buyers. And it was helping a lot of buyers um, in the summer of 2016. And I had like four or five pending while working full time. And one of my mentors was like, you just need to quit. Like you're doing so much business that you just need to pull the plug. Like, and I always tell this to, to agents that I'm interviewing now that are like, I'm worried about quitting my job to go full-time in real estate. And I'm like, listen, like whatever job you're working, unless it's like a super involved career and you climbed up the ladder is going to be there. Like I always ask them, I say, are you rich right now? And they say, no, I'm like, Okay, so what happens if you take a risk for one year and you're still not rich? Like you're still in the same spot, but you took a risk and maybe you failed. You know, um, me personally, if I would have focused, I could have quit the casino in 2015. So I have a year of my life that I'll never get back. So, but in 2016, I, I was kind of starting off slow and then I had a couple of those pendings and my mentor was like, you got to just quit. And I pulled the plug and I did it and I just never looked back. And it's just, he, he always said, you know, just don't focus on the numbers, just continue to work and that business will come. And, and that's what I really did. I just put my head down and I worked. And in 2016, I sold 20 homes, 2017, I sold 58 homes. So it was just big growth. Yeah. It's bit, I mean, tripling your business. It's, it's nuts. Um, but it's all comes down to just, working like a lot of agents just in general stop working in the middle of november and they don't start working again until february and then they wonder why their business is up and down and up and down so so what does working look like for you because work ethic is very important and consistency as you said in this business um yeah. having your daily tasks for me i always start with the big goal for the year break that down uh, eventually down into daily tasks that need to get done so i don't have to think about this big overwhelming goal it's just these little things every day that you have to do and if you do them you get to that goal so what is it for you so honestly i i approach real estate a lot differently than most people i know the value of a perfect daily schedule but just being frank, I've never followed one in my entire life. I literally wrote one last night and I was like, I have to do this because I'm now other people are relying on me. Um, but I never, I never really searched for business. I was never a big prospector. Like last year I had one expired and one for sale by owner that I helped. The rest of it was all came from open houses, um, my personal sphere, and then maybe five or six deals from internet leads. Um, I did, I did open houses a ton. I was trying to do at least one open house a week. Um, that was a big help for my business. I think, I think it's not so great in this market, right? Well, in 2018, the early part of 2018, open houses were tough because by the time you listed a house on Thursday, it was usually sold by the time you held the open house. Um, and so that was frustrating. Now the market's shifting a little bit and it's, it's easier to hold open houses. I still think they're a great way to do business. And I think a lot of agents screw them up. Um, <laughs> they're like they just don't do them well enough. Um, and it's, I mean, you can't hold an open house, put it in the MLS the day before, put one sign out and hope that you're going to get business from it. So let's I get mean, into your open house strategy then. What is it that you do that uh, brings you that success? All right. So I've refined this over and over again. Um, the big thing for me, is uh, first thing you have to do is you have to be intentional about your open houses. Like I, we have some listings that had popped back on the market because the deal fell apart. And I'm telling my agents now, like it's Friday, you can't hold an open house on Sunday. Like you can hold the open house next Sunday, but you don't have enough time. Like if you, you know, decide to hold an open house on Friday, you don't have enough time to get it ready by uh, Sunday. So what I do is on Monday morning, I make sure it's in the MLS that we're going to have an open house Sunday, one to three. Um, I make sure it's on Zillow because you actually have to manually put in your open houses on Zillow and realtor.com. Um, I create a Facebook event. And this is actually something I learned from one of my agents. Create, create a Facebook event and then sponsor it for whatever your reach is. So say your reach is 88,000 people. You're going to sponsor it for 
$8.80 a day. Um, I learned that from Travis Tom with Elevated REM Marketing. It's, it's such a great tip. Um, so we're sponsoring an event post. We're trying to get people to respond and say they're going to come. So I'm, I'm a little confused. I'm just going to cut in for a second. Okay. By sponsoring an event post, do you mean you're boosting the post? No. So what you're going to do is you're going to go in your ads manager. You're going to create an ad. Um, the, the goal of the ad is engagement. And then you click event responses. And you actually have to go into Facebook, create an event for that open house. And then you are basically sponsoring a post for that event. Okay. And That's, you're blasting that out to your uh, geographic area, basically. Yeah. Basically, I, I'll pick the city and then go around 10 miles um, and then, you know, target it with, are they looking at Zillow.com? Are they looking at Credit Karma? Are they looking at, you know, other, there's other targeting things. I mean, listen, we could do a whole podcast on just how to Facebook target. Yeah. Um, and then you're, the reason why the events are so great and why this is such a great tip is that if you look on a Facebook event, it will remind you an hour before that, hey, you said you were interested or going to this event. So people who click on a Tuesday, they're gonna get reminded at noon that, hey, there's this open house. And then they may be like, you know, let's go check it out. Um, to give you an example of a split test, we had two open houses at the same time. One of my agents boosted a post for that event. The other one did no advertising. We kind of did this as a, you know, a litmus test. The one who did the boosted post had like 15 to 20 people through. The other one who did had like one or two people through. It was it was crazy the difference. Um, so we boost the event post. We make sure it's in the MLS. Make sure it's on Zillow and Realtor.com. And then on either Thursday or Friday, I always hold my open houses from Sunday from one to three. It's absolutely the best time. The only consideration you might take into is uh, if you're in a big football city where the Bears are huge here. Right. Um, so I don't ever hold an open house during a Bears game. It's literally useless. Um, so you have to be aware of when the Bears play or whatever football team is playing. A lot of the, a lot of the cities are huge college football towns. You got to be mindful of that. You have to be intentional about your business, or it's going to leave you in the dust. So open houses are from uh, one to three on Sunday. And is that the common time in your area? One to three? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, yes. And the reason I pick one to three is it's a short enough time where it's not my whole day. Um, if we compare it to like doing a 12 to four open house, people naturally are going to go to the shorter time frame first because they don't want to miss it. So I like to be in and out. I don't get bored. Um, it creates a flurry of activity. If you have a four hour open house, people are going to go whenever. Four hours is a huge span of time when it com is compared to two hours. Um, I like my open houses to be busy the whole time because it creates excitement, excitement about the home. So on Friday, we'll put out signs and our signs are very basic. They're two foot by three foot signs. So they're pretty big. Um, they have a big arrow that says open house in it. It has our brokerage, the Lions group and has my phone number. And then the bottom, it says Sunday, one to three. That's all it says. It doesn't say the address. They're just big directional signs. So I put those at the big uh, intersections near the home. And then we have 18 by 24 signs, which are just a little bit smaller. We put a few of those out. Um, and then we have the little yard signs. We'll put those out the day of. So we put those out two days before. So people are driving by and they see them and they say Sunday 1 to 3. They, they mentally say, you know what? I'm going to check that out, especially if they drive by it a lot. Um, the day of the open house, I like the to door knock 10, 10 doors in each direction. So north, south, east, and west. And I do that around 11 and I invite them to a neighbor's only open house. Cause we all, everyone always hear, oh, you only get neighbors at the open house. Do you guys realize that neighbors have houses to sell too? Like you need to be thinking that like everyone who's a property owner is someone you need to talk to. So we invite them to a neighbor's only open house just from 12 to one and they get first access. And what they do is they say, Hey, I see this guy putting out these signs. He's obviously trying to get more business. I want this for my listing when I go to sell. So if your open houses aren't bringing you more listings, you have to really look at what your open houses are doing or not doing. 
Um, so we door knock around there, have the open house for one hour, and you may not get anybody for the neighbors only open house. It's fine, it's not a big deal. And then when the open house starts, you should have a decent amount of activity. I'm very, uh, I'm very low pressure. Just in general, I'm never a sales guy. Like if you look on my Facebook, I've never asked for business in my entire life. I think I've asked one time is when I was quitting the casino. I was like, I, I need your guys' referrals now. Um, but I'm, I don't ask for business. I mean, I just don't think it's just not my style. I mean, I hate when I go into a furniture store and I feel like, like the, the salesmen are cocked and ready, like ready to go. And like, I just want to look at a couch. Like if I want to buy a couch, I'm going to make it very easy on you. I'm going to say, I want this one. I'll pay full price, like wrap it up. So I'm not, not high pressure at all. Um, so, and I, I still wanted to collect people's information, but I don't, I don't like the sign in sheets. I don't like the sign in with the iPad. It just, it, what it does is it, people don't like it. They know what you're going to do. They know you're going to call them. Um, and then the, the, when you have them sign on an iPad, a, a lot of people aren't good with technology, especially tech, like technological things like an iPad that isn't their own. So it was creating this blockade. We have people come in and they just get backed up and backed up waiting to sign in. And it seems, it seemed very selfish to me. Like uh, these people are waiting, maybe they're out in the cold, maybe they're in between the door frame because I want their information. Like it just seemed very disingenuous. So I stopped doing that. And what we do now is we do a questionnaire and the questionnaire is like, uh, says name, uh, email address, phone number and then but, but next to email address and phone number says optional. Um, and then it says, it's just a questionnaire. It says top three features of the home, uh, worst features of the home. And this is after they've been through already. No, I just hand it to it right when they walk in. So I, I, it's a clipboard with a pen attached and it said, hey, can you just give us the feedback on this home? And what that does, it makes the customer involved in the process. They, everyone loves talking about their opinion of the home. Um, so it works a lot better for me, uh, to just give that to them. And sometimes we get no information, but at least now we have feedback to give to the seller. Yes. I like that. It's a very good um, idea. So, and I also always have a lender with me and usually what we do on our most successful open houses, we usually just sit on the couch and say, listen, fill out this questionnaire. We're going to be here sitting on the couch and if you have any questions, come up and ask us. I've literally had clients come up to me and go, thank you for not forcing us to sign in. Like, do you realize like, if someone's thanking you, that means there's a problem for the other open houses they're going to. They're, they're so, the consumer is smarter now in 2018 than they were in 2005. You know, it didn't matter what you were doing in 2005. If you had a pulse, you were gonna sell a house. So consumers are, they're not stupid, you know? And they know that if you're signing in, you're going to call them. So they put down, you know, Don Draper, 555-1212. And then you have, it's just, this relation, this business is 100% about building relationships. So, you know, you're never going to trick someone into buying a house from you. It's just not, it's never going to happen. But so, if you don't get their information, it's not going to happen either. So how is it that you are yeah. getting their information? It, you know, if you don't get their information, if someone doesn't want to give you their information, they're not going to want to work with you. I just don't like, and I know that a lot of people don't agree with me. Like you have to get their information. What's the point of the open house? If I do an open house and I get 10 couples through and no one gives me their information, but they all give me feedback on the home. I'm so happy. You know, I'm, I'm almost to the point where I'll do an open house. And I won't even have anything for them to fill out. I'll just have, you know, uh, a high color, uh, a high quality color flyer of the house with my information on it. I, I, I'm at the point now where I have enough business there. Where I want to attract clients, not chase them. I don't have the time or the temperament to chase clients. And I know that's different for a lot of agents. Like a brand new agent, you are going to have to chase the clients at least a little bit. Um, but for me, I... I can't do it anymore. <laughs> you know, I just don't, uh, you know, I just don't have the temperament to do it. Okay. So how is it that they're coming around and contacting you? Cause you say open houses is a source of business for you. Um, yeah. how does it become a source of business for you? I, I feel like if you just come from a place of giving value to people, 
they'll reach out to you, you know? And it may take a little while, but if someone calls you from an open house that you did, that is going to be a, a way better quality lead than the inverse, which is you called them from an open house. Um, so the way, the, another thing that I do on the open house is if I, if I have a three bedroom, two bathroom home that's priced at say 150, if I'm doing that open house, I am going to be an expert in that five mile radius. I'm gonna know every three bedroom home in that five mile radius because I am trying to set an appointment right after the open house. So say somebody comes in and I can tell they're not into this house. And I say, well, did you see, you know, one, two, three banana street on, on the next street over? And they go, no, I haven't seen it. And in my head, I know it's vacant. I'm like, you know, I can meet you there at three 30. And that <laughs> everyone always thinks this is weird, but to me, real estate is a lot like dating. And I don't know if you've ever studied dating, but if you are on a date and you take someone to a different location in their head, that relationship has progressed further than the time they've spent together. So if you say, I meet you at this one house and then say at 3.30, we can go to this house on 123 Banana Street, they're already like, wow, he's working. And then subconsciously, you know, you're building rapport with them and they see that you're, you know, intentional about it. You know the market, you know what's available. That, I mean, just doing that, just knowing what's available and what you can get into, that can change your business. So uh, one of the methods that I've used at open houses is I've done something similar, but I've actually printed out uh, like a little thumbnail of all the available similar homes in the area. And I'll have just the one sheet uh, for them to review. And have you seen any of these houses? And then try to, to book something in that respect. That way, I'm providing them some value in the sense that I have the knowledge they can't take it with them because it's for everybody. But if okay. you like, I can send it to you or we can go and set up an appointment for, for one of these homes. See, here's the thing. Like, I would I would like doing that, but I would give it to them. I'd make a high-color printout and just give it to them and have my information at the bottom because a lot of these people aren't thinking of oh, well, I'm going to call my buddy who's a realtor. They're going to say, I'm going to call this guy who's out here working, who obviously knows what the comps are, you know? And I get your point. You want to... I've done it both ways, by the way. I've I've, I've done both and I've settled on just doing it this way. Number one, honestly, just for convenience for myself (laughs) rather than printing off a bunch of sheets and handing them out. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about open houses is that you're going to get a lot of agents who say, oh, open houses don't work to sell that house. And to me, it's total BS. They absolutely do work to sell that house. I've double-ended, I double-ended like four or five of my own listings last year through open houses. So those agents that say they don't work to sell the house, they don't know how to do open houses. They're not doing them effectively. Um, the, the perfect house for me to hold on an open house is a house that I think is better than we can display it online. And we use professional photos for all of our pic, uh, all of our homes, but sometimes you get in a home and there's features about it that you just cannot convey through Zillow, you know? And those are the homes that are awesome to do um, open houses on. Fantastic. So uh, you get some business from open houses, you're very laid back and uh, you let it sort of come to you just through yeah. building relationships with people that come through the door, through casual conversation, yeah. showing some value. Customer service is 100% like that's our business. And if you don't think you're in the customer service business, you need to find something else to do. Be a transaction coordinator if you want. But you're 100% in the customer service business. Uh, the customer experience to me is paramount. And I'm always like, that is my one focus. Like, how can we make our agents better? And how can we make the customer experience better? If you focus on those two things, if you're a broker owner, if you just focus on the customer experience and you're not even a good real estate agent, there's so many good real estate agents who have awful customer service, but they're not as successful as the ones who are average real estate agents who have great customer service. If you like, then the goal is to treat the customer like they're your only customer you know and that's really it treat them like you never want to say oh i'm so busy um and we are busy like let's face it we are are busy i average you know five to ten pendings at one time i'm busy i have three kids i run a business i have nine agents like i'm busy 
you can't tell me that I'm not busy, but I'm never ever telling a client I'm too busy to handle that. You know, it that's the last thing you ever want to say. They don't care how busy you are. And and another thing to that effect is they don't care about you. Like that and you have to realize that. I learned that as a poker dealer. Like nobody cares about Jeff the poker dealer. They only care if you screw up. You know, you're not the star of the show. They are. Once you make your clients the star of the show, your business will absolutely transform. Uh, my business cards, they don't have my picture on it. Um, my signs, they don't have my picture on it. Like I, the only time you're going to see me is on Facebook. Um, and that's not because I'm ugly. I'm very handsome. <laughs> for those of you not listening to the podcast, but watching it on YouTube, you can see for yourself. <laughs> yeah. But, and I even tell my female agents, I have mostly female agents. I have seven female agents. And I've said, listen, like, this is not about you. Like you, and even from a safety standpoint, you don't want the client that's there because you're pretty. Like that's the worst client you have because they're not focused on it. That you want the client that wants to work with you because you're the expert. You're the best in this market. You're the best negotiator. You're the, you know, you give the best customer service. So let's, mean, we, let's touch about on that for a minute. Um, we're talking about a customer uh, focused experience overall, which I believe in wholeheartedly. So yeah. uh, how do you provide that to the customer? Maybe from, let's say they come into an open house, they call you back a day later saying, Hey, it's good to meet you, but I'm interested in such and such a house. Will you come and show it to us? Is that pretty typical? How they may, yeah. might approach it. Yeah. Um, so when I was just a solo agent, it would be like, I would say, when do you want to see it? And then I would just make it work. I've refined that to, hey, I'm available this time and this time. And that's better. Most of the clients can make that work. Um, my goal is to get them into that house as soon as possible. Um, we are a very ADD society. You know, our average attention span is now four seconds. So if you're not setting the appointment right away, they're going to go to somebody else. You so know? you're setting the appointment for the showing. You're not trying to get them into the office to go through like a buyer presentation or something I, along those lines. Like, and I get that that works for some people, but I just know how disloyal people are. So if, and I get it, like, some people are like, I won't take anybody out unless they're pre-approved. I won't take anybody out unless we have a 30-minute buyer consultation. You know how many deals you're losing because of that? Like, honestly. And and I get it. Like, I'm, I'm not advocating go show them 10 houses over three days before they're pre-approved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they are not focused on their pre-approval. They are focused on let's go see this house because it looks great. So... Here's here's my buyer script. Hey, I got your request about one, two, three, Banana Street. Um, I just got a few quick questions. I know you're probably interested in going to see it. Um, are you working with an agent? If they say no, I say great. If they say yes, I say okay. Um, are you happy with that agent? And if they say yes, I say you know it's probably best you contact your agent. If they say no, I I ask why, because. I think a lot of times agents are like, yeah, they said they weren't happy with their agent. But if you dig a little deeper, it's usually because they're insane and they have unrealistic expectations of what the client agent relationship should look like. Um, and that so, conversation will flow differently because some people in some areas are allowed to say these things and other people in other areas are not allowed to say these things depending on regulations of boards. But uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, and then if they say they have an agent that they're unhappy with, I ask them, have you signed anything? Buyer agency agreements are not common in this area at all. Nobody uses them. I want to use them, but I know that I'm not going to use them because for one reason, and people are going to crucify me for this. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm the only guy that uses them, everyone knows 10 reorders and they're going to be like, this guy made me sign something to buy a house with them. Well, my agent didn't do that. My agent's way better. I don't want to be known as the only guy who uses buyer agency agreements. And, you know, people are going to kill me for that. And that's fine. Uh, I've never had a buyer agency agreement signed. Um, I don't care if they're pre-approved before we go see a home. And what I'm saying about that is it goes back to the relationship thing. They want to see this home. 
I want to do, I want to be there for them. So let's talk about the worst case scenario. They call me, they want to see this home. I go see a home with them and they have a zero credit score. There's no chance they could buy anytime soon. Okay. What did that cost me? It cost me maybe 30 minutes of my time. And I got to see an active comp on the market. You need to stop looking at it as my time is super valuable. I'm $300 an hour and I won't do anything that isn't a dollar producing activity. Okay, fine. If that's how you want to run your business, fine. I hope you've sold more than 58 homes last year because this is how I do it. You're trying to build relationships. So say their credit score is 550, okay? Get them to your credit repair person in three months or four months, they'll be able to buy. Do you know how loyal they will be to you if you took the time to meet them at a home, discuss their credit problems, hook them up with a credit repair person, got their scores from 550 to 640, and then they're able to buy, they're gonna be screaming your name from the rooftops. So my goal whenever I have a client is I want them to have such a good experience that if any of their friends talk about buying or selling a house, they grab them by the shoulders and say, you have to call Jeff. It's literally the only thing you do. You have to call Jeff. Here's his number right now. You know? So beyond the showing aspects of it, uh, what is it that you do to create that exceptional client experience so that they do that? You know, it's going to sound very bare bones, but being available, listening to what they want and only showing them what they want. I mean, we're, we are tied to uh, our compensation is directly related to the amount, uh, the dollar amount of a home that people buy. And if you forget about that, your business will go way beyond that. Um, Zig Ziglar said, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll always get what you want. And I tell myself that every morning because it's, it's so true. Like me, I don't look at a buyer agency compensation on, on a home at all until I write the offer. I don't care. You pay me 2%, you pay me 7%. It doesn't matter to me, you know? And I'm, I know that I'm fortunate enough to have enough business to where I don't care what I get paid, you know? And I'm not saying you shouldn't get paid what you're worth, um, but it, it really doesn't matter in the long run. I mean, go back, give me 10 deals you did last year and tell me what the the commission was. You can't do it. It it doesn't matter in the long run. It matters is you got your clients into the house that they wanted and you did a good job. They say the number one problem with agents is their lack of communication. I always cringe whenever a seller or a buyer of mine texts me first about an issue. If I had no idea of it and there's no way I could, you know, stay above it, that's fine. But if it was something that I said I would get back to them and they text me first. I'm always like, oh God, I dropped the ball here. You know, um, always under promise and over deliver. I think agents are so worried about, I have to get this in, to them right now. And there's certain things that are very time sensitive, but most of these deals, you have 45 days and the world's going to keep spinning if you don't get that inspection response done right away. You have to set clear expectations with your clients when you meet them. Um, and, and how is that done? If you're not sitting in a, in a, let's call it a formal situation, just through conversation, when you're walking through the house, you're saying, and by the way, yeah. And just, just let them know, like, this is how I work. This is how I operate. You know, I, I work six days a week all the time. So I don't have that problem of not being available. I'm always available. Um, I, I, when I first meet them, I say, listen, if we're going to work together, uh, if you call me, I will call you back. If I don't answer right away, I will call you back within that day. That's my promise to you. If you text me, I'll answer as soon as I possibly can. Um, it, you just have to make them your focus. It's not, this is not rocket science. There's not some magic potion. I'm available. I communicate. I set expectations and I, it, educate them about the process. See, I think that a lot of agents get to the point where they think that everybody knows how this works. Oh yeah, of course the appraiser is going to know. Like if you think about what a transaction is, is you go out, you find a bunch of houses, you find what that you like, you write an offer. The offer is very confusing to everybody. I mean, how many agents do you know that don't really understand what is going into an offer? I mean, there's tons of them. Okay. So if it's confusing to you, a real estate professional, it's definitely confusing to your clients. So let's go through the offer with them. 
and explain every step. That that right there is is the way to go. Just explain every step to them because they don't know. They don't know what's next. So once I get them under contract, and this is a buyer, um, the next thing I do is I send them an email and it's called the next steps email. It says, here's what we need to do next. We need to deliver earnest money. It's a thousand bucks. It goes to ABC Realtory. They're located right here. We need to drop this off within at least two days. Okay. I don't handle earnest money. Um, a, because it's a time waster, and B, because I don't want to handle their money. And a lot of agents may kill me for that. Indian is a little bit differently. You guys are going to flip out when I tell you about inspections. Um, but <clears throat> I don't want to do that. I don't want to handle their money, and I don't want to drop it off. You know, um, So we have them drop it off, and then I said the next thing we need to do is schedule an inspection. And I give them my top three inspectors in order. Um, and I have them schedule an inspection. Here's where you guys are gonna kill me. We don't go to inspections in Indiana. And a lot of agents around the country lose their mind when I tell them that. We like, you don't go you to mean the agent, the agent themselves, or the yeah. agent or the client? The clients go to the inspection. They don't have to. Um, but buyers agents do not go to inspections in Indiana. So in inspectors are allowed access to the property. Yeah. Okay. All of our, all we, so we use the central lock boxes and all the agents, all the agents and all the inspectors and the appraisers have access. They have either a card or the app that opens the box. It's crazy to me that I, I posted this the other day and people are like, you don't go to the inspection. And I was like, why would I? Like, it doesn't, and it sounds so selfish. It doesn't make me any money. Like it's just waste of my time. I would lose my mind if I had to go to every inspection. Um, I didn't go to my own home inspection. I didn't. I was still working at the casino. I was like, I was on like four hours of sleep. I said, you can handle it. You know, when you trust your inspector, there's no reason for you to go to the inspection. So you guys should all find out if you have to go to the inspection. And if you don't, don't go. Because A, it's a <laughs> that, that depends on your market. For example, okay, you, in my market, you can't just send an inspector. An agent has to uh, okay. give access to the property. But here's the thing. Like, be honest about this. It doesn't make you any money, and it's a liability factor. How is it a liability factor? So say you notice something that the inspector doesn't notice. Okay. That... And then it comes back, and it says, oh, Lauren, you, you saw that, that that water heater was leaky. And this is an extreme example. So during the showing, you mean I may have sent, mentioned yeah. something? Well, usually if that happens, to be honest, I would point that out and say, "What do you think about this?" I noticed that, and then so that wouldn't yeah. really happen. But what happens if it, what happens if you didn't point it out? I'm, and this is a very extreme example, and it's just I just play devil's advocate with me. Like that could be a liability. So the way I handle inspections is I give them to a trusted inspector that I trust one hundred percent, and then. When I get the inspection response, what I'll do is I'll, I'll write down the things that I would ask if I was buying this house. And then I call them up and say, hey, how does this look for you? Is there anything you want to take away or add or change? And then it's fine. I mean, it's, it's crazy, like, to me how different markets can be. And yeah, Indiana, definitely. Weird. And I'm not saying that in two years they're going to be like, yeah, of course you guys need to intend inspections and then I'll have to change. <laughs> but I really hope that doesn't ever happen. Well, listen, I, I completely understand that when you're sitting there for over two hours, sometimes depending on the size of the house or the property, uh, it can definitely feel like a waste of time. However, I'll play devil's advocate and I'll say, isn't that another opportunity for you to strengthen your relationship with your customer and your client when you're there and the relationship Absolutely. that you have with your inspector? Absolutely. So. Um, my inspector is, uh, we have a really good relationship. So, um, but like, what are we going to talk about for two hours? You know, <laughs> and I get it. Like you have to go. I don't have to go. Yeah. I feel like if you didn't have to go, you, you would be like, yeah, it, it, if definitely, definitely. And a lot of people send, you know, their, their quote unquote junior agents and on the, on teams will send them along, but it is always helpful to have somebody working on the deal to have eyes on whatever issues come up rather than just a description or a picture. Yeah. And, and that's, listen, I have a great relationship with my inspector. So I, I don't have those issues. Gotcha. Um, okay. Well, let's move that, on from that, really, because so, that, that... yeah, and you know, really not yeah. relevant to what <laughs> I'm talking about. So, 
after the inspection, I basically set the expectation that, listen, like, we've talked a bunch pretty much every day for the last, you know, however many months or weeks leading up to this. Now the transaction kind of goes up in the air. I say, we're going to have an appraisal next, explain what an appraisal is, and then it's going to go to underwriting. We're basically going to chill out for 30 days while this thing gets clear to close. Because if you don't, what, what happens? The client's like, I don't even know what's going on. I haven't heard from my agent in two weeks. Like, think about it like a doctor's office. How much better would a doctor's office visit be if the person at the front goes, hey, fill this out. It's going to be about 15 minutes till the doctor brings you back. When you go, you'll be in there about 20, 30 minutes, and then we're going to have you out of here. How much better would that experience be than fill this out? Yeah, and not knowing what's happening. So you're setting so the it, expectations so they understand is, what's happening. Everything in life is about setting expectations. So that's it, been a common theme, which is great. Definitely, you set expectations in every part of the process so people understand what's going on. You are the guide guiding them through, and there's no surprises. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Now I have a question for you. In terms of after the transaction, is there anything that you do to stay in touch with your clients to uh, maybe generate referrals, not saying give me, give me referrals, but you know, some people send birthday cards, some people send anniversary to the home, uh, things like that of that nature. Is there anything that you do that's proactive? So last year, what I did was every single buyer, um, I gave them a half dozen donuts from a local cider mill. And this, I did this in October when cider mills are super popular around here. And we have one that was you know, everyone loved and everyone loves the donuts from it. And I was going to do pumpkins. And my wife was like, nobody wants a pumpkin. Like nobody <laughs> wants a pumpkin. And I, like I see these pop buys and they give a, a bottle of hand sanitizer and they're like, let's do a clean deal. Call Lisa. And I'm just like, what? Like nobody wants a bottle of hand sanitizer, but everybody loves donuts. So I gave them donuts and had a little postcard that says, please remember to file your exemptions. Um, we have a homestead and mortgage exemption here. It's super important. Your taxes are going to double if you don't do it. Um, it's. I'm always looking for authentic ways to reach out to my sphere and past clients. Um, so I did that. This year, I literally ran out of time. I was going to do donuts. Um, but what I did was I ordered sweatshirts. And uh, I give some of those to my, my best clients. Um, I, I'm always refining this process. Uh, I think that one of the things we're going to do moving forward is we're going to do a newsletter every month and it's going to be a uh, front and back page, high colored, high color, high quality, um, color newsletter. It's not going to be about the Lions group is so great. Everyone should use this, blah, blah, blah. These are, here's our 10 listings. Cause that's going to get thrown away. It's going to have, one of the things we're going to do is a feel good story from the area that we live. Um, a coupon to a local place, and a little bit of write-up about a local place. We have tons of really great coffee shops, stuff like that. And then maybe we're going to feature one of our agents and just talk about their life. It's like I said, it's not very salesy. It's not use this if you're buying or selling. It's very much like if we can help you, let us help you. That's very much my mantra. Um, it's just a bit of mind share to keep you on top of their mind uh, every yeah. month just to know you're still alive. You're still there for them. Yeah, I do a ton of social media. I'm very active on Facebook, very active on Instagram. Um, everybody knows I'm a real estate agent. Um, but it's not like, like I said, it's not gimme, gimme, gimme. Like I'm just like, I, like yesterday I posted a client that I literally have helped for four years. We've probably seen 100 plus homes at one home a time. And he finally closed on his property yesterday. And I just thanked him for being so loyal to me. And I posted a picture of him and his parents and that's it. I mean, it's not, I don't post every closing. Like people are going to get so annoyed with that. Yeah. If all you're posting is your closings and your listings, people are going to unfollow you so fast. People care about your life. They want to see some, you share something funny, share a picture of your kids, you know, share a picture of your dog. Like that's what people go on Facebook for. They don't go on Facebook to get sold. Yeah. I've heard it said that, um, Business related posts should, or versus personal posts, the ratio should be about anywhere between four to eight to one. So, uh, four personal posts to one business yeah. related post. And even on our business Facebook page, I'm doing stuff like uh, we posted last week for Thanksgiving, uh, which one has to go? And it was a picture of like turkey, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuff like that. And that's the stuff that gets engagement. 
And it's fun. It's not, oh, here's my new listing. Here's my new listing. Like, nobody cares. Like, no, uh, people move every 10 years. Like, they're not thinking about it all the time. And let me ask you, is this on a personal page or on a business page? So what I do is I post it to the business page and I share it to my personal page. Right. So I'm getting engagement on both sides. I'll get engagement from the people on the business page and then I'll get way more engagement on my personal page because it's just my personal page. Fantastic. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, I'm very, like I said, I'm 95% low pressure and then the 5% when I need to be, I can be high pressure. Um, but it's, I'm only high pressure when like, I know that I'm the best option for them and I know that we need to move things along. You know, because a lot of times if you're low pressure all the time, you're just going to go in circles. You're just going to like, you're never going to get the deal closed. You're never going to move forward with a new agent. You're never going to get that listing signed. You have to be like, sometimes you have to be like, if all this is I presented to you is true, why are we not signing today? Now, let me ask you regarding that. Uh, something just popped in my mind regarding listing presentations. Do you have a listing presentation that you use that is formatted? What is the format or do you just kind of go off the cuff? Uh, no, I think listing presentations that are formatted are really good for going in the circular file. Nobody reads it. Nobody. I mean, you can have a 15 page listing presentation, amazing full color graphics, and no one is reading it. It's so boring. You mean in terms of a, a pre-listing package? I, no, I'm talking about like a, I come and I'm going to give you a binder of information about your home. I, I looked at one that another client had when I went to list her house. I was like, did you read it? She goes, no, I didn't read it. Like, and she's one of those people. She was a reader. Like she likes that stuff. <laughs> she didn't read it. I, I, okay. So that that's more for leave behinds that that's definitely something to, uh, to yeah, talk about. But, but in terms but, of the actual presentation itself, do you have something that you present? So, I have a framework of like in my head, but like if you're like talking about like a PowerPoint where I go over sure. things, absolutely not. Okay. No, I have a pre-listing package um, that I will send to people, but it was more like just using it as a lead capture. Like I, I talk about how homes are bought and sold, but I mean, I I don't know. It's weird because a lot of times I'll go on a, on an appointment with you know a hoodie and jeans, and that's just what I wear all the time. And people will kind of look at me like, does this guy know what he's doing? And then once we talk, it's very apparent that I know what I'm doing. You know, uh, I have the track record. I don't ever talk about my track record because once again, the client doesn't care about your track record. They want to make sure you're not an idiot, but you should be able to convey that you're not an idiot by talking to them. Um, So what I'm getting here, what I'm getting here is you're being authentic to yourself. This is yeah. who you are. You're not going to pretend to be somebody else. You're going to come in, dress the way that you are, speaking the way that you are, and you're going to either get the client or not get the client based on that. And and you don't really want to work with those clients that aren't going to get you anyway because it you know there's usually a rub there. And and I say this with a grain of salt to all like the brand new agents. Brand new agent, you show up on in a an appointment on a t-shirt and jeans. It's probably not going to go great for you if you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I only work with past clients and referrals. So I'm in a different spot than everybody else. If you're referred to me, in my mind, I already have the appointment. Like it's not, I already have a listing. I don't ever go on a listing appointment where I'm not, I don't bring a lockbox. I don't bring paperwork. I mean, I may leave it in the car. <coughs> you know, I may leave it in the car. If the worst thing that has, has to happen is I have to go back out to the car to get it. That's not a bad thing. Um, so I'm not saying that everyone should show up in you know sweatpants and a hoodie if you're brand new in the business you should dress up i mean and i'm not saying i never dress up like i'm wearing a nice sweater to a closing that i have today because that's what the client would want you know what i mean know um, your audience yeah, know your audience okay you should always be focused on who your client is most of my clients have small kids you know we listen to the same music. We have the same background. They're going through the same stuff that I'm going through. So it's very relatable that I show up in a, in a sweatshirt and jeans. This client, she's older. She lost her husband last year. I, you know, it's a totally different approach. Gotcha. You know? Uh, so framing yourself to your client, I, I think it's essential. Like, a lot, and a lot of the stuff, like, you can learn to from how to win friends and influence people. You know, read that book. If you haven't read that book in Think and Grow Rich, like 
get your life together. Like if you're listening <laughs> get to this, your life together. If you have, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to think and grow rich or how to win friends and influence people, you're doing it backwards. You know, you're giving a lot of great advice, but the foundation are in those two books. Definitely. Definitely. I remember reading those books when I was a teenager because everyone was sort of pumping that out. Now that's a little weird, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> I, I found that and, uh, they were definitely influential for me. Um, yeah. let me ask you, cause we got to start to wrap up. Uh, yeah, we're a little long winded, huh? No, that's okay. I that's could, okay. Dude, I, like I, I genuinely love real estate so much. I could talk about this. Like you can literally talk all day. About this Here, stuff. here's the great thing about this podcast and, and real estate in general. And, and I say this quite often is that you can do this business just about any way and be successful. Um, but that's the worst and best part of this business because you really have to find what works for you and you can't do a million things all at the same time. But eventually when you find your groove, you can be successful doing this business just about any way. And, and you're proof of that. You're fairly laid back in how you do things. You're authentic. And uh, that may not work for a lot of other people. The, not the authentic part, I hope, but the laid back <laughs> approach. And that may not work for a lot of other people because of their market or, or who they are or their particular situation, but it works for you. And that will relate to other people out there. And that's fantastic. But, but does it not work? Like it, you say that it may not work in certain markets. Like, okay. Like I bet that you can get amazing clients in Miami. If you show up in t-shirt and jeans, it may not be every client, yeah, and well, you, it's it, not it, just the t-shirt and jeans. It's the whole approach that you take, which I think is great. But I mean, yeah. you're not, you know, you're very laid back about open houses. I mean, it's not setting up the open house, but in terms of collecting, you know, people's information, let's say, and following up, um, that type of thing. Uh, following that, up, I'm very intentional. If they about. get, if they get yeah. in touch with you first, right? You're waiting for them to reach out to you, which is great. And we're not and, arguing about this as as a good no, or bad thing. But you're waiting for them to reach out to you, and you have that uh, charisma and vibe and and uh, re uh, reputation so that they do that. But for people that are new in the industry, that may not happen so automatically. I know for myself, um, it didn't happen that way. I mean, I'm not saying it never happened, but I really had to go after the business to make the business work. Oh, and I, I did too. Listen, my first two years, button-down shirt, busting my ass all the time, chasing business like crazy. But I realized, like, I don't, I don't want to live that life for my whole life. Yeah, you know. Once you build it to a certain point, your business gains a, a type of momentum, and you realize you have certain. Some people call it pillars. Some people call it buckets. But sources of business, and mm -hmm. you just go after those. Maybe two or three sources. If you want to grow at a certain point, and it caps off, you add a source a year. However, you approach it, but you find your vibe. And what works for yeah. you? Like me, I, I won't door knock anymore. I hate it. I, I can't stand it. I've done <laughs> it. I, I'll tell my agents, like, listen, it works. But if you hate it, don't do it. Like, I don't like, I personally, I'm good at calling expireds. I'm good at calling for sale by owners. But I hate doing it. Like, it it crushes my soul. And the problem is, is that there's so many people who are like, I don't care. Just do it. Just psych yourself up. Like, no, dude, it's, it. it it's just not, it's not who I am. And I think, not, but oh, you have to try it to find out if it is who you are. Nothing's sure. going to be comfortable from the outset. I shouldn't say nothing, but very few things are comfortable from the beginning. You have to give it a little bit of a go. And then if you realize really it's not in line with who you are, then you can move on to something else. That's how I feel about it anyway. And like, like you said earlier, there's so many ways to, to skin a cat in this business. There's, I mean, my business is not the same as the guy in the next office. And, and that's, what's great about it. Like I'm successful. He's successful. Once you have the idea and the mindset that there's enough business for everybody, it becomes a lot simpler. Oh, I agree. And that's why what I love about this show in particular, it's about sharing. You're sharing with everybody. Not everybody's going to take what you're doing and, and try to copy it. And even if they tried to copy you 100%, it would never come across the same way anyway. You know what Tim Ferriss says? Tim Ferriss was always criticized because he gives away all of his information. And what he said was, listen, 80% of those people are going to do nothing with it. Literally just never, like, they'll say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And it never happens, okay? So we get the 15% who do it, and they're not as good as Tim. And there's going to be a, a, few, a small percentage that do it, and there's just as good as Tim. But there's going to be like 4 or 5% that do it and are better than him. You know what those 4 or 5% are going to do? They're going to say, Tim, this is what I did, and this is how I made it better. There, you can't ever lose by giving value to other real estate agents or other people like you're never losing i agree you know, 
you just and it's and it's going to take a lot of people a lot of time to realize that. And it took me. I mean, it took me thirty years to realize that. But I do. I just give and give and give and give, and I don't care if it ever comes back to me because I know that I've given so much that it will come back to me. And I, that's just how I live, you know. And it's it, it's a lot of it sounds like foo foo rah rah BS. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm super positive. I won't. I won't deal with anybody who's negative in my life. But I'm not like I'm not gonna be like, hey agents, let's get up and let's clap. Like I, I don't have any patience for that stuff. But there's no reason to be negative in this world. Like the world is amazing, and I don't watch the news. I stay up on real estate trends. But dude, the news is a it is emotionally it's a killer. It's draining. Always negative. Yeah. And one of the the best things I ever heard was he goes, okay, you watch the news all the time. Tell me what the biggest news story of October last year was. Can't do it. I mean, and people always say, well, what what happens if something like September 11th happens? How can you operate without knowing about September 11th? It's everywhere. You're going to know about the major news stories when they happen. But you're, you're just beating yourself up with this negative talk all the time. And it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't help you in your business. It doesn't help you in your personal life. It's just, I, I don't have any patience for the news. I don't have any patience for negative people. I, I don't, if you look on my Facebook, I never post anything negative. And that's hard. Like it's, it's a conscious decision. Like I'm not going to post anything negative because negative talk, it seeps into your head and it, it, it expels itself in other ways in your life. Yeah. I hear that. Listen, Jeff, we got to close up, but thank you so much for sharing, for opening up yourself and your business to uh, to all the listeners and, and to me. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Any closing thoughts on people that are new in the business or maybe stuck in a rut? Um, maybe a, a book suggestion other than the ones that we already gave or uh, something you want to share? So uh, one of the best books that I've read is a book called The 12-Week Year. And what it does is it basically boils down all of your goals. We all set yearly goals, especially with January coming up and we want to sell, you know, we want to sell 50 homes. And the problem with that is that a year is a long time. So, you know, you may, you may start out really great in January and in February it kind of fizzle out. And then you're like, Oh, it's fine. I still have 10 more months left of the year. But the problem is February keeps going and then it goes into March and you're like, Oh, I still have time. And then it's December and you didn't hit your 50, 50 homes. So the 12-week year, what it does is it boils down a year into 12 weeks. You set actionable goals, and every week is now a month. It sounds really basic, and honestly, the book is probably twice as long as it needs to be. It could honestly be boiled down to like a five-page PDF, but it's a quick read. It's great for setting goals, especially this time of year, um, and if you just you can get so much done just by reading that book and applying the lessons in it. Um, closing thoughts. What do I have in closing thoughts? And honestly, just stay positive. Uh, give value to all your clients. Um, the clients that you do have, make sure that you're, you know, doing your best to keep that relationship good and make sure that you're top of mind, but do it in a low pressure way. I mean, it's, it's 2018 and people are going to use you because they know, like, and trust you. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. You don't have to worry about you know, the next silver bullet in real estate, you know, worry that Zillow is going to take over all of our jobs. It's never going to happen. We are not travel agents. We are real estate agents. And one of the things I always tell my agents when problems happen, because problems happen in every transaction. When's the last transaction you had that went perfectly perfect from start to finish? Yeah. I've, I've never had one. And I tell my agents when they're really upset about problems, I say, listen, if there's no problems, there's no need for you. And it kind of brings everything down like, oh, I'm here to help solve these problems. So be a problem solver. Fantastic. That's really it. Excellent. All right, Jeff, remind everybody your market in case anyone wants to throw you some referrals and uh, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm in uh, Northwest Indiana. And I basically cover the top three counties. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is through my cell phone, which is uh, 219 218 one one eight one if you have any questions about anything that we talked about 
just give me a call. I mean, I'd love to talk, like I said to Lauren, I love to talk about real estate all the time. I love to help new agents. If you're thinking about opening up your own brokerage, love to talk to you about that. It's awesome. It's awesome. Excellent. And website? Uh, www.thelionsgroupllc.com. And Lions is spelled L-Y-O-N-S. Fantastic. Jeff, again, thank you so much for sharing. Look forward to talking to you again. Awesome. Take it easy. Take care. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I truly appreciate you for your support and for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, share this all over social media, and especially share it with a realtor that you know that might be having a difficult time finding their own path to success. I'll see you on the next episode.